0: More than once, actually.
1: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes.
0: Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: I never win in tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Are you ready to take full control of your physical, emotional, and spiritual health? Are you ready to experience great success in your life? Health Talk with Dr. Diane MD will teach you the tools and strategies to help you take control of your health and inspire you to live your best life. Now here is your host, Dr. Diane A. Thompson, MD.
1: Welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane MD. This is a show that is designed to inform and inspire you to a healthier lifestyle. I am your host, Dr. Diane Thompson, MD, and as always, it is my pleasure spending time with you on this broadcast with a goal that you may learn something that may take your health and your life to a higher level. I want to welcome you again this week, and I want to let you know that I'm so grateful that you choose to spend time with me every single week. I do want to remind you that the information presented is for educational purposes only and is not meant for diagnosis or treatment. Please seek the advice of your healthcare provider before making any changes to your health. All right, so today we will be talking about mental health. And we'll be addressing the stigma associated with it, as well as issues of diversity when it comes to dealing with mental illness. According to the National Alliance of Mental Illness, NAMI, mental illness is an important public health challenge that is under-recognized as a public health burden. And millions of Americans are affected each year. It is often said that mental illness plays an enormous role in some of our social situations such as homelessness and drug abuse, incarceration, joblessness, and poverty. According to the World Health Organization 2013 statistics, four of the six leading causes of years lived with disability are depression, alcohol use disorders, schizophrenia, and bipolar disorder. And even though so many people are affected by mental illness, there's still a tremendous amount of stigma associated with this. And this is also more noticeable in certain communities. To help me make sense of this is Hannah Martinez. And she is with the National Alliance of Mental Illness of Massachusetts and the president of one of the large affiliates of NAMI in Boston. Hannah, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Dr. Diane, for inviting me.
1: Let's just jump right in. I wonder if you could share with us your background and how did you become associated with the National Alliance of Mental Illness?
2: My background is in psychology, counseling, and public health. I have practiced as a master's clinician, and what that means is um, we are usually with a psychology and social work background, um, and we assess patients with mental illness um, to determine the level of care that they need. And I am also working on a doctoral program looking at PTSD and culture. PTSD is one of the major um, anxiety disorders, which affects people who have experienced trauma. And I look at it culturally um, as of importance, too, because culture affects most of the mental illnesses we have, how they are expressed, the outcome, accessibility, and the way we view mental illness. Um, I joined NAMI many years ago. Because um, it is an organization that is advocating for the mentally ill, um, I wanted to understand families and um, uh, individuals with um, mental illness um, as outside of the classroom education to really follow them on their everyday reality experiences and how their caregivers are managing them, and um, this is a major part of NAMI's mission where we look out for advocacy, education, and support for individuals with mental illness and their families. So that is how I get connected with NAMI, and the other aspect of it also is I wanted to get the chance to explore the extent of and, diversity and how disparities are being managed within the organization.
1: All right, and one of the things you describe yourself as is a crisis mental health clinician. What is that, and at what point during the process would your services be rendered?
2: Well, social workers and... Um psychologists perform different aspects of um, mental illness. Um, It comes in different um, categories. For master's clinicians, we do more on assessing or evaluating patients who are in crisis um, for emotional condition, mental health condition, where they are quite unstable and needed to be evaluated, assessed for the proper treatment to stabilize them. So essentially, um, crisis clinicians, we are the first line to be called to the hospitals or usually to the emergency rooms or other settings like clinics or even homes and community centers, wherever a loved one or somebody noticing a person experiencing emotional crisis. So we do the assessment looking at the symptoms they are presenting at the time, the history, um, other factors that we put together. But the key thing is to ensure that that patient is safe. Safety is the key situation that we are looking at. So whatever conditions that is exacerbating their mental illness at the time or mental condition, we want to make sure that they are safe and others are safe. And if they are at risk of harm to themselves or to others, they become committable, and that is where we place them in a safe area like the hospital to be further evaluated, treated, and stabilized before um, they can be discharged or move into a continued level of care. There are many, many times that the the individuals may not necessarily be committable. They may be having a little bit of difficulty affecting, you know, their performance and function, and as long as they are safe to themselves and others and their judgment is pretty much in the range of um, safety and acceptability, we take other levels of care, which may include making sure they have a therapist or if they don't have one, how to help them to connect with outpatient therapy for continuous support and treatment, or if there is substance abuse involved here, how we recommend them for dual treatment. And so that is essentially we see patients who are in crisis and assess them to determine their level of care what is appropriate to keep them safe, to keep society safe, and to help them continue in treatment.
1: Talk a little bit about the stigma associated with mental illness.
2: Stigma with mental illness is a big part. And uh, like many other conditions where people don't know much about a situation or a condition, they tend to associate Uh, misconceptions or or preconceptions. And stigma is a big one that unfortunately surrounds mental illness. We want um, American society to know that anything dealing with mental illness or mental illness as a disorder is is a brain, medical, physical condition it is like um, having diabetes or heart problems where we know that it's connected with the uh, the other organs of the the body and so it's the brain. The brain is a major organ and there are times that certain abnormalities are found about it in structure or the chemicals they produce and it may affect a person. And what this means is that it is a treatable condition. It's a medical condition, a physical condition, a biological condition. So they can be treated. So it isn't anything to set off false alarm, and that is what stigma is is doing, getting people to be very scared or have um, a, a bigger level of fear about mental illness. While it is. Uh, a condition that is just medical condition where we can treat and make the person feel better and even go into recovery where they can function well afterwards. Um, Unfortunately, there are certain incidences that may happen, um, uh, you know, violently regarding, you know, mental illness as we've been. Seen on the news lately um, conditions that happened at the White House with the woman and the child in the car or the one that was at the Pentagon area where the person went into a killing rampage. These conditions are very rare, and there are situations where sometimes, and it's part of our fight against stigma, to keep people aware of the warning signs. And the warning signs are you don't have to be afraid with a person of mental illness. The mentally ill person is not necessarily of a greater danger to society. In fact, in most cases, they are more victims of the abuse, attack, and assaults and ridicule of society. So, it takes education, we need to educate society about the fact that the mentally ill is not necessarily a more dangerous person than as um, uh, the, the average person or average violent behaviors that we uh, we hear about involving people uh, inflicting on their loved ones or friends or family so um, it, the stigma is educating that Mental illness is a treatable condition. It's a biological condition. There are a a lot of false statements or inaccurate statements that go with mental illness. So education against stigma is a fight to undo um, the misconceptions.
1: Can you elaborate on that? What are some of the negative statements? You did talk about the belief of the violence, but what are some of the negative statements that are often associated with mental illness?
2: Some of the words that community uses for them, this person, you know, is crazy, this person is is a lunatic, you know, this person is a retard. All those... highly unacceptable. They are not accurate. All of us as um, human beings or people, we have the potential to exhibit some amount of overreaction or temperament or um, situations where uh, reactions to things can overwhelm people around us. So once we hear these things about people with mental illness, we need to educate further that uh, using words like, you know, crazy and lunatic is not necessarily what is happening. It is difficult condition for them or experience for them, and that is where we reach out to help them. The mentally ill are as intelligent, they are, they, their illness is not exhibiting at all times. There are many, many times they function well. The key thing here is treatment. If they are ready to get treatment and they don't let stigma to set them as a barrier from seeking treatment, they, they can do well. Medications are doing very well in, uh, in treatment for the more severe forms of mental illness. Where we categorize them as bipolar disorder is a serious one. Um, major depression sometimes it comes with psychotic features. When we say psychotic features, we mean confused behaviors, behaviors that are more typical about the person hearing voices, or talking to themselves, or claiming to be who they are not. That is delusions, and um, but these conditions are treatable, they are just brain misfunction, but not in a way that they cannot be corrected. And so we need to still view mental illness rather than using these words for them. View mental illness more on the line of treatable conditions that people don't have to be ashamed of. It is not an action of... um, of, of said uh, a divine retribution. It is not. It's something that deals with willpower. It is. It is a physical body organ function that needs to be. Um, you know that that may go uh, out of the normal trend and needs to be um, corrected through um, it needs to be corrected through treatment and um, and, and um, education support. and and, and advocacy
1: all right so we will take a short break for our sponsors and when we return we will discuss some of the ways in which we can better address mental illness in our communities and provide support for those who are suffering we'll be right back
0: are you ready to take control of your physical emotional and spiritual health are you ready to experience great success in your life Join us for Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on Atlanta's incredible radio, AM 1570 WIGO, or listen live stream at WIGOAM.com.
1: Welcome back. If you are just joining us, welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. My guest today is Hannah Martinez with the National Alliance on Mental Illness of Massachusetts, and president of one of the large affiliates of the NAMI in Boston. Now, we were talking about stigma, and I wonder, are you finding stigma more likely to occur in certain communities?
2: Um, That aspect about variation in stigma, it seems to exist, but sometimes very much so on a fine line. But There are certain communities that we tend to see that stigma is more intense or prevalent among them. And again, it goes to people's overview of what mental illness is. And when we look at overview, we also have to look at culture, the implication of culture of how different groups of people define mental illness comes to bear as to how people are running away from it or allowing themselves to understand, like they will understand any other illness of the body. We tend to see that people you know, within low-income areas more in ethnic minority groups. You know, we have to keep in mind that when we look at mental illness and its treatment and education, the pattern is on the medical scientific approach to understanding mental illness, and that is what we we see America uh, America's treatment approach of mental illness is embedded in the Western scientific medicine, and and the approach is seen as the dominant culture approach. Um, however, when we go back to history, um, mental illness has gone through a very um, horrific, inglorious pattern or process of how it's, it's been understood or misunderstood. We do have other cultures. So, so from we, when we look at from the Western culture as opposed to other cultures, we see variations and the variations to a large extent goes with people not having quite a, a real understanding of the nature of mental illness. Medical science has taught us clearly that mental illness associates more with brain function. Unfortunately for many, many places in the world, mental illness still ties in to the old traditional way of seeing it as something that goes beyond science or something that is more supernatural it has such an enigma to it that people struggle to understand what it is and in that aspect often tends to tie it into traditional beliefs that may be more um Uh, more giving it frightfulness and fear about mental illness and also make family members or individuals feel guilty as if it's something that has to do with their own personal characters and that it may be divine retribution or, you know, paying for the sins of the fathers. We shouldn't see it that way at all, but unfortunately it does exist, and so that kind of difference in viewing mental illness tends to also affect um, and the stigma. So we see more stigma, say, looking at you know many peoples in the developing nations. There On one hand, the developing nations tend to have a social system which is more like communal, more like community, extended um, families. That tend to give support, people can always feel a sense of connecting with a family member or extended families or the community. And so in that aspect, you know, we look at it clearly as um, a safety net for protecting or supporting or helping to give strength to mental illness. On the other hand, the prevalence that some communities, you know, ethnic minority communities, Strong religious affiliation communities may tend to feel that it's still coming from the old pattern of thinking that one has to be blamed it may be something too um, uh, too mystic to get meaning and it has to tie into the you know, devil to possession to God's punishment so in that aspect you know that kind of um, embarrassment where it tends to let them hide away from reporting or bringing their loved ones with mental illness to seek treatment. So in that, we we tend to see that it may be pretty much um, overlapping with the dominant cultures, but um, nonetheless, it's an area that we need to work more on through education to um, minority communities, to strong religious communities, to areas where uh, probably due to other factors like poverty, language barrier, um, some other cultural issues, doesn't bring them to bear clearly to see it as a medical condition to get help. And those communities, we, we in Massachusetts, we strengthen a lot of education to uh, to those neighbors.
1: And I'm, I'm so glad you addressed that because I'm from the Caribbean and I remember my first experience with someone who had a mental uh, illness and back then we were told that it's, you know, some kind of, they're possessed and that kind of thing. And, you know, it makes it difficult for these people to get the care they need if this is the belief so I'm glad you guys are providing education to help get rid of those beliefs yes. now one of the things that said is that the ethnic minority population is also underserved by mental health services what are some of the reasons for this
2: it's a big area that is also being looked into due to the huge disparities that it creates like anything else, most ethnic minorities in, in the United States tend to have over-representation of situations regarding their health, their housing, um, employment, conditions that deals with health, and mental health is no exception to this. So it is an, it, the disparities are due to many factors. The factors that stand out, uh, the usual lack of service to areas of uh, low-income minorities, areas of ethnic groups who may have language barriers, who may not be in a position to have good uh, mainstream work to keep them with insurance and um, everyday health checkups and treatment. The the issue with, with ethnic minority mental health disparities, um, the disparity level that we see it now, may be due to a lack of accessing services on one hand, and on the other hand, even when they are able to access service, is the service adequate? Most clinicians, social workers, doctors, treating the mentally ill, sometimes also come with the mindset of um, their prejudices, and those prejudices may manifest in the, uh, the treatment quality that they are giving to, um, to to minority groups. It may be the minority groups are not able to afford to go uh, to go to um, better hospitals to get more in-depth assessment of their needs. It it may also be the fact that you know their locations are not where the infrastructure has set up health treatments or um, health clinics where they can go to get their necessary checkups and uh, and treatment or be more willing to present their loved ones um, showing signs of mental illness to get treatment. Mental illness, as we see it now, there are many resources available to treat mental illness the effort is getting many many people you know we still see it as only about 40 percent even when we look at white population you a 40 percent that are making themselves to get adequate treatment the majority isn't and is even worse among uh, minority groups so the factors are multifaceted we really um, have to tackle them on a major and a more comprehensive level where we are looking at even the schools, um, social work schools, medical schools, psychology schools, um, how they will be able to train more minorities whom their communities can relate well with. Um, uh, here in Massachusetts, we see something about 2% of Psychologists only two percent of psychologists are people of color, so it is it is an area that is of importance. It is an area that even when the schools are also training social workers, whether the majority white social workers or minority um, social workers, we have to bring the concept of treating the individual also based on their cultural context, and that is what the concept of cultural competence comes in, that um, it is important to have a much more comprehensive and um, more um, competent ability to work with people of different ethnicities. So the the complexity is, is huge. It, it, it deals with um, the providers. It deals with the providers' um, concept or everyday mindset of who um, the people they are treating are, what categories they are putting them in. It, it deals with providers, and not enough providers of the ethnicities that we are concerned with. It deals with money, the funding, the economic um I mean, budgeting of money to really help with areas where the need is very strong. Um, it deals with issues like substance abuse, uh, infestation that is exacerbating the uh, mental health conditions. And also it comes also with the stigma as we discussed earlier.
1: And what type of programs um, does NAMI offer to help not just the sufferers but also the families of these patients?
2: And this is very, very important because NAMI is always dedicated in raising the awareness of the needs of individuals. And so we do advocate for services of all kinds, including services of basic needs to everyone, um, employment that, uh, you know, a number of um, people with mental illness uh, in treatment. They, some of them to the level of recovery where they are doing well. And people, um, as long as they keep having their psychotherapy or counseling um, treatment and medication treatment where necessary, and getting the community support, they are capable of of, you know, of capable to do to work. They are capable to go to school. They are capable to get. Um, good hospitalization when, uh, when the need comes and they are in crisis and need to be treated. So in all these areas, NAMI advocates for. There are, however, certain programs that we designate as NAMI signature programs where we have about four or five of them. One of the key ones being family to family. And the family to family is more, it's like a structured groups of family members who are living with a loved one with mental illness. Um, They come to this training to learn more about the nature of mental illness so they can understand why their loved ones are behaving the way they behave. Um, They are there with other caregivers who are also bringing their ideas, their experiences. So it is a program to help the caregivers, the loved ones, the, and the family members caring for these individuals. So the family-to-family family is a very strong one, which has been extremely helpful to, um, to families. It's a, a 12-week training program where we have facilitators who have themselves been trained about the skills and experiences and understanding of the nature of mental illness and how to relate with loved ones. Uh, We have um, others like the um, crisis intervention program also deals with diversion project. And these this is more training providers and um various community departments like the police department to understand the nature of mental illness so they won't rush into arresting or inflicting you know violent um consequences on the be- behaviors that they see so they will understand wh- what symptoms to expect for somebody with Say bipolar disorder, exhibiting some manic behavior of yelling or screaming or out of control behavior, and or somebody talking to themselves or disturbing public peace. So they, we we having um, the law enforcement and um, and even the court system to all understand the nature of it. So that program is also there. We do have one called the NAMI Basics, and it's a six-week program which gives education more to um, family members and caregivers who are raising children and adolescents for also uh, to help them how to care for their children and to understand their behaviors and also watch out for signs of uh, emotional and um, behavior problems that are of concern and how to get advice to, to handle those. We have one other which is a very, very strong one where we, which is named um, as in our own voice program. In our own voice is you getting the person afflicted with mental illness in recovery where they are telling their story. Um, what the experiences had been, how they have improved themselves, the family support, and how they are able to tackle and move on with their lives with their own achievements. So these are all to indicate that mental illness is treatable. Mental illness is not something you have to be ashamed of. Uh, there are programs for support. There are. Uh, um, people advocating for them and that um, people should call organizations like NAMI for any signs or behaviors about their loved ones that bother them and get advice for them. And if they do have loved ones already diagnosed and in treatment and they want further treatment for support and education, they should feel free to call uh, agencies or organizations like NAMI.
1: Wonderful. And as we come to the end of our interview, I'd love to leave our listeners with a tip of the week. And my question to you is, what tip would you share with a family member who has someone who's been diagnosed with a mental illness? You know, they're going to try to navigate uh, this new diagnosis. They're going to try to adjust. How would you suggest that they do this? What's the best tip you would share with them?
2: Unfortunately, as I said before, anytime you hear about a mental illness diagnosis, people are overtaken by fear. I would like them to know that they do not have to fear, they have to have patience and just um, take your time to understand that it's like any condition. There is hope for it, it can be treated, and they should hold their patience and get in touch with, you know, their local clinics. Or talk to an emergency room doctor, the primary care doctor who may refer them for treatment with say psychiatrists if they do not have one, or core agencies like NAMI for education. so the tip of it is just don't be scared because of the diagnosis. Uh, indeed, it is in many times it's a chronic long term illness, but be rest assured that there is much that can be done. You can be helped to understand the nature of it, and you can be helped to encourage your loved one to get treatment and uh, and and uh, help them to overcome some of the symptoms and get a more normal life for themselves.
1: I am so happy that you share this information because there are so many people who are suffering from mental illness and they unfortunately aren't able to advocate on their own behalf. So um, I'm really happy that you are sharing this information and uh, helping people become educated because you're right, there is still so much stigma attached to this. How may our listeners contact you or NAMI?
2: If people go online, it's um, nami.org. But same for Massachusetts. If they have questions for me or for NAMI, any NAMI general questions, they can reach us at 800 370 nine zero eight five and our uh, website um, info at namimas.org.
1: great and I'll make sure that that information is available on my page so people can get a hold of that and I thank you Hada Martinez from National Alliance on Mental Illness of Massachusetts and uh, president of one of the large affiliates of NAMI in Boston thank you so much for coming on the show
2: Thank you very much, Dr. Diane, for inviting me. It is my pleasure, and thank you.
1: All right, and for our listeners out there, again, thank you for listening in. Thank you for joining me once again. Please check out my website at drdianethompson.com, and while you're there, sign up for updates and also for my upcoming ebook on stress. Please remember, as I tell you every week, your health is your wealth. So please do something healthy for yourself. Until next time, everyone.
0: You have been listening to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. on 1570 AM WIGO. Please tune in every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the best in inspirational health information. If you have missed any part of this broadcast, would like to find out more about Dr. Diane A. Thompson, or would like to receive her ebook on stress, please go to drdianethompson.com. That's drdianethompson.com. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thompson. Remember, your health is your wealth, so do something healthy for yourself. Have a great evening.
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party.
0: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa.